Here is another powerful message from New Vision Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. To hear the rest of this series and others, join us at newvisionlife.com. certainly glad that you guys are, are here this morning. We're excited to have folks watching uh, with us online. We are in week six of our series, Living Light. And in this series, we're just looking at some choices that really the Lord has called us to make, some difficult choices in our life, but these choices bring a level of freedom or, as we say, some lightness to our life. You know, in week one, we talked about how important it was to choose purpose over popularity uh, in week two, we talked about how important or important it was to choose surrender uh, over control. We talked about in week three how important it was to choose purity uh, over compromise. And if you, if you remember, after week three, uh, we had a, a purity event on Monday night dealing with pornography for men and women. We had a great outpouring of folks who showed up for that. 1,500 people uh, tuned in online for a simulcast for that. So that was a really a cool thing. In week four, we talked about how important it is to choose discipline in our life over, over regret. And last week, we talked about how important it was to choose really the important things over really the, the urgent things in our life. And now today, in week six, we're going to talk about this choice. And it is another choice. It is a difficult choice, but it's another choice that if we choose it, that God really brings some freedom in our life. And it, it doesn't mean there's been some pushback in this series. People said, you know, living light. Does that mean you're saying that as a Christian, we're never going to go through difficult stretches and seasons in our life? No, that's not the case. What we are saying is we, we choose these God-honoring commitments and make, make these, these choices that the Lord is leading us to. They lead to a level of freedom and some lightness, and we don't have to be so burdened down uh, in our life. And so what does it mean to choose forgiveness over resentment? Well, well, first of all, listen, all of us in our life, all of us in our life have folks who have, have hurt us uh, deeply. For, for some of you, it was years ago, it was a parent who, uh, who walked out, uh, never showed up again. I had a text from a great friend and he, he was just reminding me of his story. That, that was his story and just years of, of pain with that. Some of you, it was something that was done to one of your children. It was, a, it was a teacher, it was a coach, it was a friend who even, they said something, just a painful thing to, to, to your child. And now just even the mention of their name just brings a lot of resentment uh, in your life. Some bitterness is there. For some of you, it was, it was someone that was a business partner with you years ago and, and they took advantage of you and it really, it cost you and your family deeply. And so just the mention of their, their name brings a lot of uh, a lot of resentment, a lot of bitterness. For, for others, it's extended family members who there's just some, just some unforgiveness there and it's just, just really, really a difficult, difficult stretch. Well, what does the scripture say about this choice? In Colossians 3, verse 13, let's take a look at this. Paul says, bear with each other. That, that word bear is important to, to bring out. It means endure hardship. If, uh, if you're going to be in relationship with any other human being, we're going to have to learn to, to bear up a little bit because we, we inside relationships, we're all broken people. And so relationships are, are super, super difficult. Bear with each other and forgive one another. So forgiveness is a command in scripture. Do you believe that? This is about the, uh, I guess the seventh time I've preached this message over the last three or four days. Um, I, every time I ask that, there's just a, a really shallow response, like, you know, I, I don't know in the church, this is really a biblical command, so unforgiveness is, at its heart is, is sin, right? Do you see that? 
And we'll talk more about that. Bear with each other. Forgive one another. If anyone who has grievances against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And we're going to push into that and see what that looks like. But let's get started today talking about forgiveness. And first of all, I want to talk about the heaviness of resentment. In other words, if we, if we live in unforgiveness, that there's a heaviness that comes to that in, in our life. And so resentment or unforgiveness, first of all, will take a heavy toll on you physically. Before we talk about the spiritual ramifications, of that, unforgiveness will always take a heavy toll on you physically. There is uh, something in the medical field kind of really uh, called the new science of forgiveness. And so there's a lot of research being done about how unforgiveness really affects our health. Uh, Karen Swartz, who's a physician at Johns Hopkins University, has done a study on resentment and its effects or unforgiveness and its effects on our body. She said, chronic resentment puts you into fight or flight mode which results in numerous changes in heart rate, blood pressure, immune response. These changes then increase the risk of depression, heart disease, diabetes, among other conditions. She says forgiveness, however, calms stress levels leading to improved health. Now, this isn't the only study that's out. I read another study this week saying that uh, many of us struggle with a lack of sleep and unforgiveness can affect your sleep patterns. Cholesterol, unforgiveness can even be linked to elevated cholesterol levels. And so you're thinking, man, this is kind of weird. What are you talking about? Well, first of all, unforgiveness can have some physical effects on our body. You know, and as we harbor resentment, I've heard this said before, or as I have unforgiveness towards someone, it's really like me drinking poison, hoping it's going to affect the other person. Well, it doesn't. It affects us. But that's not the only effect of unforgiveness or resentment. Forgiveness in, in our life, or unforgiveness, I should say, in our life, carries a heavy toll on us spiritually. In fact, the greatest toll on our lives will be spiritually. When I live in unforgiveness, it affects me in, in, a, in, a, in a deep way spiritually. But why? Because unforgiveness, watch this, unforgiveness really blocks my intimacy with God. Let me say it this way. You cannot be close to God. I'm not saying that you can't be a believer. What I'm saying is that you and I can't be close to God and distant from other people. These things are just linked together. You know, I would say it this way, if, 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 if I went over to John's uh, this afternoon for lunch and, and, and he had a, a picture of, of my family up and he, you know, had a picture of Amy and I and the, and the boys and my daughter-in-law, Madison, and then my grandson, Bradford, who was two last week, whatever, I just thought I'd mention that. Um, but then he's had an X marked out through my grandson, like, you, you know what, I can't be close to you if you don't like my grandson. Can I just be honest? I mean, I can try to love you, but there's going to really be a rift in our relationship. Does that make sense? How can you not love him? It's kind of funny, isn't it? But think about this. Think about as our relationship with the Heavenly Father, as we're distant with folks that the Lord created, that the Lord loves, that causes a rift in our relationship even with God. And so today we're going to talk about that. Well, let's look at the second thing. And this is where it just gets a little bit more difficult because you, you, you might say, yeah, 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 I know I'm supposed to forgive others, but forgiveness is so hard. Like if I could get up there and tell you my story of what she did or what he did, then, then you would really understand and it would be justified that, that I really haven't forgiven them. But forgiveness is, is hard and the ability to forgive is hard. Well, well, what does it mean to forgive? Let, let's do that because I want to talk for about the next 10 minutes of some keys that we'll, ski, we'll see in Scripture that will help you choose forgiveness over resentment, will really help you walk this out in your life. Well, here's how I would define forgiveness. 
I believe forgiveness is this. Forgiveness is, is extending grace to others that Christ has extended to you. That's what I think forgiveness is. As a believer, it is extending grace to others that Christ has extended to me. That, that's a working definition. Andy Stanley has said this about forgiveness, which I think is a really, really cool statement. He said, in the shadow of my hurt, forgiveness feels like a decision to reward my enemy. And that makes sense, doesn't it? Like in the shadow of my hurt, when you hurt my kid, me forgiving you feels like me rewarding you as my enemy. But in the shadow of the cross, forgiveness is merely a gift of one undeserving soul to another. In the shadow of my hurt, it feels like me rewarding my enemy. In the shadow of the cross, it is just one undeserving soul extending grace and mercy to another. So we have to choose which shadow we're going to live out of. Let's talk about what forgiveness is not. Forgiveness is not approval of someone's sin or wrongdoing or their hurt of you. It's not approving of that. You know, if I, I said in the first service that Pastor Ray stole my truck, um, I, I can choose to forgive him and, and, and for me not make him pay relationally. That doesn't mean that he wouldn't have to do some time, but Pastor John could minister to him while he was incarcerated. But anyways, I, I, I don't have to, to, to make him pay. But it's not just approving that or it's not excusing that, saying, you know, boys will be boys. They'll steal trucks. That's not what forgiveness is, just approval or excusing. And it's not necessarily reconciling. I think that's what people have a hard time with. To mean, I have to forgive this person, and that means that I have to be just super close to them on the other side. That, that, that's not necessarily what it means uh, either, that there can be some, some healthy boundaries. You can forgive them and still not let that person come in and, and do damage to you uh, again, you know, if, if, if Pastor Ray steals my truck and he comes into my office, I'm going to put my keys up, right? I mean, there's some things that, that I will do as it relates to that. But forgiveness is, is really choosing not to make another person pay. And we can, in, in marriage, we do that all the time, right? When we're upset with another person, we might make them pay by just not speaking to them. We might make them pay with some harsh words that we say to them. We make people pay that we're upset with in various ways. We, we walk away from a relationship, somebody that you've been friends with for, for years, but there was something that happened and you, and you just, you just disconnected. You're really making that person, making that person pay in many ways. And that, that's, that's not forgiveness. Uh, you, you know, you really know forgiveness is really walking through a process. Sometimes God allows you the grace to forgive somebody overnight, and sometimes it's really not like that. Sometimes it takes years of really obeying the Lord and working through this process of forgiveness. And really, the deeper the hurt, sometimes the longer it takes to work this thing called forgiveness out. But here's a couple things. When I'm forgiving someone, then I'm not speaking negative things to other people about them. That shows a, a, a sign that I'm working through the process of forgiveness, that I'm not saying negative things about them to other person. When I'm forgiving someone, I don't use what they've done in the past really against them. When we get back together, sometimes in marriage, we see this in marriage counseling a lot. We say we've forgiven someone, but let another argument come up, and we go back and we pull something from the past, from this file that we said we forgave, and we use that against them again. Well, well, that's not walking through forgiveness. And you really know, here, here's, here's my opinion. I think here's when you know you, you're really coming to the other side of forgiveness and, and, and God's really released you. When you're able to pray God's best for that person that you previously have had so much resentment and bitterness for. Anytime I, I speak on forgiveness, I, I think there are three different responses from, from you guys Number one, there's some folks out there that would say, hey, I know I should do that, 
but I just can't seem to muster up the courage to do it. There are others that would say, you know what, if I forgive them, that really feels like me letting them off the hook, and, and I'm just not good with that. Or the third group would say this, would say, you know what, I've tried to and I thought I had forgiven them, but these memories come back, and I guess because the memories of what they did came back, that, that must mean that I haven't truly forgiven them. Well, here's where I think that comes from. You know, the Scripture says God forgives and forgets our sin as far as the east is from the west. So God forgives and forgets our sin, but let's, guess what? We're not who? We're not God. We don't have the ability to, to for, forget this past pain and hurt uh, in our life. You see? And so uh, forgiveness is, is more about releasing a person from, from wrath or not making them pay any longer than having them released necessarily from our, from our memory bank. So let's take a look at a passage of Scripture that really helps me walk this out in my life. Ephesians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up there. Ephesians chapter 4. I promise you, I understand, first of all, forgiveness is difficult, But it is a necessary part of growing in our relationship with Christ. And there are some principles that we'll see in this passage that will really, really help you walk out this difficult choice to forgive. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, he says, In your anger, do not sin. I loved what Scott said. First of all, I love Scott. Scott was out of Scott, and I have been friends since college. We were teammates in college. I, I'm just a huge fan, and God is using him in an amazing way. Amy and I have got four tickets to the movie, so we're, we're super supportive of what he's doing in his ministry. But anger is, is not wrong. Jesus was angry. He cleanses the temple a couple of times. But in our, in our anger, we're, we don't sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. We'll come back to that. Verse 27, and, 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 and do not give the devil a foothold. He's, he's really talking here about unforgiveness. That gives the enemy really a chance to occupy some space in our life, to set up a camp in our life that he can expand from. Look on down at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Malice is really choosing to make another person pay because of the wrong they've done to you. Paul says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. Here's this same command again that we saw in Colossians. We see it again in Ephesians. Be kind and compassionate, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. So let's talk about two steps from this passage, really the first two steps of forgiveness, I think will help you begin to walk this out, all right? First of all, the first step of forgiveness is remembering that we are, first of all, sinners, and secondly, we have been sinned against. Can I say that to you again? The first step in forgiving, forgiveness is really realizing, first of all, that I am a sinner against God, and secondly, that I've been sinned against. My problem throughout the years that has made forgiveness so hard for me is I think, first of all, about the hurt. I think, first of all, about how the person has sinned against me. Something happens, however, when I think, first of all, about how much I have sinned against the Lord. That's what Jesus is, is doing when he teaches the parable of the unmerciful servant. If you remember that story, it was, a, it was a dude who had this huge debt, and the king comes and tries to, to collect the debt, and the guy just throws a fit and begs for mercy. It's this large, large amount of money that he couldn't pay back, and so the king releases him. And then that same dude goes out and finds a guy that owes him lunch money, and he throws him in prison because he's not able to pay him back. And, and and, and from that parable, Jesus is saying, see, this is the way it looks. We're the ones that have been forgiven so much by God. And yet we have such a hard time 
forgiving folks when they hurt us. So the first step in forgiveness is really realizing, God, first of all, I'm a sinner, and secondly, I'm sinned against. In other words, I would say it this way, forgiveness starts in the mirror. It's looking in the mirror and seeing and being reminded of who I am and, and what I've done. Now, think about this. Jesus is such an important, important part. We are to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. But let's ask a question about this, right? Let's ask, a, how has Christ forgiven us? If I'm supposed to forgive you and you are supposed to forgive me in the same way that Christ has forgiven us, it's an important question to ask, how has Christ forgiven us? Now, let's think about it. I want to share a couple of things that I believe are true about the way Christ has forgiven me. And I want you to tell me if you agree with that, okay? Can we do that? Because we have to understand this a little bit more. I believe my forgiveness by Christ was undeserved. Do you believe that's true of yourself? Yeah. I believe our forgiveness, God extending grace and forgiving me was undeserved. I didn't do anything to deserve that. Secondly, I believe that God's forgiveness of me was extravagant. Do you believe that's true about yourself if you're in Christ? The, the scripture says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The Bible says the blood of Christ Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. To, to think that my past, present, and future sins have been fully paid for through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that is extravagant. I believe my forgiveness in Christ was costly. Do you believe that's true of yours? What did it cost? The Son, the Father's Son. So if our forgiveness is undeserved, extravagant, and costly, doesn't that make sense that that will, that will be a way that forgiveness is that we extend to other people? It will always be undeserved. It will be extravagant, and it will be costly. Um, I'm being discipled by a pastor on the West Coast. We, we talk uh, once a month, uh, our video chat. There's a hipper way to say that. Um, and so he's teaching me this, and this is what he told me. I included we because Brady just seemed so personal and it was so raw and I didn't want you to see that, but I included you in there. Is that okay? So Larry Osborne says this, and it was really super helpful for me. He says, we have an amazing ability to undercount our own misdeeds. He actually said, Brady, you have an amazing ability to undercount your own misdeeds while multiplying the wrongdoings of others. Man, that, that really kind of hit me. That, that is true about me. I have, this, I have this innate ability to minimize my sin and maximize your sin. And that really needs to be flipped if we're going to walk this out. So the second step of forgiveness, the first step is just looking into the mirror and realize, first of all, I'm a sinner. Secondly, I'm sinned against. The second step that we see in Ephesians chapter 4 is really resigning my role as judge. Now, I want, to, I want to show you this passage again, and we'll talk about what that means to resign our role as judge. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26. Go back and look. Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Now, I, I remember this passage when Amy and I first got married. I, I thought this passage just meant that we were never supposed to go to bed angry. Did anybody else try to work that out? And so I, I think my wife, there's my there she is right there. Um, and uh, I'm not good. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning, we're still angry. And I'm like, I, I, somebody's got to go to bed here because I'm, I'm getting angrier um, <laughs> the longer this night goes on. And that, that, that just doesn't fully work for us. I, I hope it worked for you. You're more spiritual than us. Good for you. 
but, but I think studying this passage a little bit further, Paul says, do not let the sun go down while you're angry. Now, first of all, it was written in an in agrarian culture or a culture that the, the predominant occupation was, was agriculture, farmers. So if you were a farmer in, in 2,000 years ago in the first century, when the sun went down, guess what you did? You went down too. I kind of like that. I'm moving more to that. I don't even farm, but, you know, 730, I'm about ready to go. Um, do not let the sun God go down while you are still angry, and then do not give the devil a foothold. I think Paul's talking a little bit about forgiveness here, and what he's saying is you don't have to carry to bed with you the burden of righting all the wrongs, that you can go to bed and trust that God is in control. He is the judge. You can resign is your role of judge because one of the things that makes forgiveness so hard is we think we've got to fix everybody. We think we have to right all the wrongs and change all the behavior and make them pay to where they really won't do that to anybody else again. And so when he says, don't let the sun go down on your anger, I can go to bed at night. I don't have to carry the burden of righting all the wrongs. I don't have to play judge any longer because I don't do a very good job of that. And it gives the enemy a foothold. As long as you're playing judge, the enemy has a foothold there, and it really corrupts you spiritually. Now, look at Romans chapter 12. I want to show you this. This is really a helpful passage, and it is all in line of just resigning as your role in judge. Two steps that will really help you walk forgiveness out. First of all, think about your own sin first instead of being sinned against. Secondly, resign your role as judge. You can go to bed at night and say, I don't have to right all the wrongs, Lord. Now watch this. And Paul builds on this in Romans chapter 12. Watch this, an amazing passage. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. That's really what lost people do. Someone hurts you, you hurt them back. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends upon you, live at peace with everyone. That's a great, that's a great statement and super helpful because, you know what, as far as it depends upon us, live at peace with everyone. But some people you're not going to be able to live at peace with no matter what you do. But as far as it depends upon you, you can rest at night to know that you have forgiven, you have walked the steps out of forgiveness, and, and how they respond is really on, on them, okay? Now, verse 19, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but I'll, watch this, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. There is a ton there in this passage that is super helpful. So he says, make sure in forgiveness you are leaving room for God's wrath. Here, here is the, the problem that nobody talks about. When I live in unforgiveness towards you, I am edging God out. I'm keeping God from really working in this situation, right? So when he says, leave room from God, for God's wrath, when I walk in forgiveness, when I'm extending grace to you the way that God has forgiven me, when I choose not to make you pay any longer, then I am now making room for God to step in and work. And isn't that what you want? <laughs> Two of you, good. Look at verse 20. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Now, I mean, let, let, let's just stop. That's nuts, isn't it? I mean, that just sounds crazy. Except for the truth of the gospel that when I was dead in my sin, when I was an enemy of the Father, that God extended grace to me. This doesn't make sense to anybody other than someone who's experienced the unconditional love and grace and mercy of Christ. Now watch how he says, watch what he says lastly. He says, in doing this, in loving and forgiving like this, you will, you will heap burning coals on his head. And to that, some of you said, okay. Like, I haven't really been with you yet, but that whole burning, where was that again? Romans 12, honey, write that down. 
I like that. I'm going to memorize that verse this week. The burning coals, heaping burning coals on their head because that's what I want for him. That's what I want for her, right? Now, first of all, this is a Jewish metaphor, right? We're not called to go out. You understand a metaphor, right? It's painting a picture of something. So really what, what, what this means, heaping burning coals on someone's head, it's, it, he's saying this is what it's like when you love somebody unconditionally and you forgive them. Heaping burning coals, the first thing it does, it, 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 it shows forgiveness and that wakes the sinner up to their sin. When I love this way and I forgive this way, it's like heaping burning coals on their head, which, which might wake them up to their sin. I mean, if you have burning coals on your head, you're awake, aren't you? Very much so. And so that, what, what, what might happen then? That person might repent of their sin and the wrong that they've done to the Lord and to you. And wouldn't that be a good thing? This has been fascinating all weekend long. Actually, since Thursday, I, I, I preached at First Baptist yesterday. By the way, I love going over there, James McCarroll's church, African-American church in town. And uh, anytime I'm thinking I'm going to give, give up preaching, give up the ministry, I go there. And I, feel like a, I feel like the greatest preacher in the world, man. They, they're, just, they're just with you. They're yelling. That's, I mean, it's, I was so fired up yesterday. And now it's you again. <laughs> that yesterday was good. I'm fired up. So whatever. I'm, I'm good. I'm good today. <laughs> Right. They like this sermon. I don't know about you. Remember what I remember what I ask you? As I am forgiving you, or you are forgiving that person in your life that has hurt you and wronged you, the scripture says it's like heaping burning coals on their head. The point is it it can wake them up to their sin and lead them to repentance. And wouldn't that be a great thing? Yeah. Isn't that what we want? Now, m- m- most since Thursday night, very few people. Nobody said anything because we're not sure we really want that because we're not really sure they deserve that. And so we have to go back again to that first step and see ourselves as an undeserving sinner that received the grace and the mercy of God, right? The second thing that, that forgiving like this, Paul is saying, is this, this metaphor of heaping burning coals on their head is, is, is they may not repent, they may continue to reject your extension of God's grace in their life. And so that metaphor really says forgiveness really increases God's judgment on the sinner. That's what heaping burning coals on their head can do. It can wake them up to their sin or increase judgment, those two things. Either way, you're free of the burden of trying to make them pay. It's not yours to do. So we take the robe off. God, it's not mine to enact wrath or vengeance or make them pay. Let's turn the corner and head for home. Can I remind you of what we've talked about today? There's a heavy price to resentment, physically and spiritually. Secondly, it's difficult to forgive others. We get some help when we see ourselves first as a sinner, secondly as one who sinned against. It helps us to be reminded of how Christ has forgiven us. We were undeserving. It was extravagant. It was costly. It helps to know that we don't have to right all the wrongs. We can take the judge's robe off and trust God to do that. But let me close with this. For many of you in this room today, for many of you that are watching online today, 
it is easier for you to extend grace and forgive another person than it is for you to receive grace and forgive yourself. Now again, when I say forgive yourself, I'm not saying that you're the one that brings about forgiveness that God does, but really accept God's grace. Because there are things in your life today that truthfully you've had a hard time believing God can forgive. You know, today Scott came out and talked to us about what his ministry is doing to impact abortion, stop abortion in our community, and I am pro-life, completely pro-life. But for so many reasons, I, I think that unborn child needs to have a voice. I believe that. I believe the unborn child needs to have a voice. Now, wait a second. I think that mom needs to have a voice. I, I, need some, I think somebody needs to, to speak to her, and, and, and moms and dads in this room, men and women in this room, if the statistics are right, one in every four in this room are living on the other side of an abortion. And some of you have been living with that secret for 15, 20, 30 years. Nobody talks about that. That's another reason why I'm pro-life. For the last 25 years of meeting with folks who are post-abortion, the stories that I'm about to share with you very quickly are a, a, a snapshot of multiple, multiple people talking to me. Pastor Brady, I was 17 years old. I found out my girlfriend was pregnant. And I drove her and I paid for that abortion. I was a 40-year-old dad when I found out my son's girlfriend was pregnant. I drove the two of them, paid for, orchestrated events for that abortion, and there hasn't been a day that has gone by that I haven't experienced some level of pain from that. Pastor Brady, it was 30 years ago, and I have not told another person but there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about that. You see, there are things that have happened in our life. Sometimes it, for some of you, it could have been abortion. For some of you, you were, the one, you were the one who walked out on the marriage. And it was 25 years ago, and it was a wrong decision, and you were young, and you left her with those two kids, and, and you were the one. And in your mind, you cannot see how God could forgive you. You have been willing to forgive so many other people in your life, but when it comes to you receiving forgiveness, it is so hard. You were the one that neglected another person physically or sexually. And for so many years in your life, forgiving another person has been way easier than receiving forgiveness yourself, and here you sit. Can I share a passage of Scripture that saved my sanity? Romans 8.1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Is that good news? Let me read it to you again. Yeah, you can applaud for the Lord. There is there 
Now, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But, 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 but wait, hey, for me, I, I, when it comes to my forgiveness, I don't feel like I'm forgiven. Can I tell you something tonight or today? It feels like tonight after you've preached as many times as I have. Your feelings don't define truth. Can I tell you that again? Your feelings, how you feel about this certain event, that doesn't define truth. God's Word defines truth. And you're going to have to make a decision which one of those you're going to believe. What God says about you in His Word or how you feel about the situation. Can we move on a little deeper for some of you who would say, you know what, I, I feel like God could never forgive me. God is punishing me. I, I'm just going to be a second-class citizen. I, all those things, on and on and on. What are some steps to really stepping into the forgiveness that God has for you and not resenting yourself? Receiving forgiveness starts, first of all, when we own it. And sooner or later, we have to own it. And you might say to that, well, you know what? I've confessed this to the Lord, but I still have these feelings. Let me share another passage with you that is so important. We don't talk about it and we don't live this out, but this will help you. James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins each to another. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Tomorrow evening, Nick's going to come and remind you of this. Tomorrow evening, right here, for men and for women, we have two separate events that we're going to be doing uh, that are really folks who are uh, who have survived an abortion folks who are on the other side of abortion who, folks who are struggling with this secret they may be uh, men or women a, a guy who financed it, a woman who went through that a mom who has a daughter that has gone through that or a son who's gone all of us been touched in many ways we're going to be here tomorrow night there's going to be some teaching for men and women that are going to going to help you some of you you may not have the courage to come tomorrow night and, and I understand that but it's going to be a simulcast a live simulcast starting at six o'clock so you can you can click on where that's going to lead you after that teaching we have folks that are going to give their testimony tomorrow night, very courageous testimonies about what God did in this area of their, their life. And, and, and it, it is going to be a tool that is going to set some people free. On the other side of that, we're going to, we're going to start really a surrendering the secret Bible study where you can get in a group with other people who have gone through really the same thing or a similar thing that you've gone through. And as you confess your sin to one another, somebody who's been through the same thing, God is going to start liberating you. And it's going to be an amazing thing. And I don't want you, I don't want you to miss it. You know, what I hear from others is, you know what, I believe because of what I did 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago, I just know God is punishing me. Can I tell you something about that? There's something you need to know. Punishment is deserved. But punishment has already occurred. Receiving forgiveness realizes this, that punishment is necessary, but punishment has already occurred. Listen to this. Let the scripture wash over you. Those of you who say, you know what? Because of what I did, I know that God is punishing me. Because of what I did, I know that punishment is necessary. Listen, listen. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, talking about what the Messiah would do when he came. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. That's our sin. The punishment that brought us peace, isn't that what you want? Peace. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. 
He's the one that endured the punishment that was necessary. Why? So you can live in peace. Why are you punishing yourself today when he already endured the punishment for you so you could live in peace? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about living light. And by his wounds, we're healed, the scripture says. I feel like God is is punishing me. He must be punishing me for what I have done. Punishment is necessary, but punishment has occurred. Can you preach the gospel to yourself? Remind yourself of that truth. It will liberate you. I feel like because of what I've done, that you know what? I I don't need to be a part of what's going on here. God could never use me in in ministry. Can I tell you what? The people who are making the biggest difference, I, I promise you, I know them. The people who are making the biggest difference in this fight to save lives are people who've made mistakes and God has redeemed that in powerful ways. Don't let the enemy paralyze you because of your past. Let God's grace propel you to redeem it in a powerful way. I promise you that's what the Lord wants to do. Don't live in that lie. You can be free. I just hope there's hope for me. I don't know that God has a plan for me any longer. I think what I did here disqualified me for what God has for me over here. That's what I hear. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. If you're in Christ, what are you today? You're a new creation. You're defined not by what you did over here, but what Jesus has done here to make you a new creation. That's what defines you. The old has passed away. Is that good news? If you're in Christ, the abortion has passed away. If you're in Christ, the divorce has passed away. If you're in Christ, the abuse and the neglect through your repentance and faith in Jesus has passed away. Do you believe that? Is that what the word says? Yeah. The old has passed away. Behold. The new has come. I want to ask you some questions as I close. Because some of you are still stuck. It's easier for you to forgive others than receive forgiveness yourself. Can I ask you a question? Is your sin, the abortion, the divorce, you fill in the blank, the affair, Is your sin bigger than the sacrifice? Is it? Is your sin bigger than the sacrifice that Jesus made? The Son of God. The sinless sacrifice. Can I just tell you, your sin isn't bigger than the sacrifice. We used to sing the old hymn, Grace, Grace, God's Grace. Grace that is greater than what? All of our sin. That's true, isn't it? Can I ask you another question? Those of you who have someone in your life that you are harboring so much resentment and bitterness and unforgiveness to, and I I, I get it. But can I ask you this question? How long are you going to let them keep controlling your life? How long are you going to let what they did in the past keep stealing your future? It's time to choose forgiveness because resentment is killing you. And it's way more about you being free than the other person. Do you trust that God is sovereign? Do you trust that he can right the wrongs? Do you believe that? Would you just let him be God? It's not yours to fix. 
It's not yours to make everything right and change them and punish them. That's his. Would you take the judge's robe off and rest and let God do what he can do? Last thing, and I'm done. The number one reason why people don't walk through these steps of forgiveness, and I know they're hard, but I believe the number one reason why people don't walk through these steps of forgiveness is because they've never been forgiven. They have never tasted the undeserved, extravagant, costly gift of God's grace given to them. Maybe there's some of you here today that would say, you know what, maybe that's it. Maybe that's why for the last 35 minutes, everything you said about forgiveness, in my mind I'm thinking, this is nuts. That makes zero sense. Why would I do that? Because he did that. And once you've tasted it, we have a desire to dispense it. That's the power of the gospel. Would you bow with me, Father? Thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy that is always undeserved and always extravagant and always costly. And you have called us to extend a measure of grace to others that you have extended to us. Father, help us to choose forgiveness over resentment. And Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray there would be some folks today that would choose forgiveness, receive your forgiveness. Lord, we pray that. We beg that would happen. Father, I pray there would be some believers here who have been able to forgive others in their life, but they've never been able to embrace forgiveness for themselves, and they're so locked up. Father, today would you set the captives free. In Christ's name we pray. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed this message, we'd like to invite you to one of our Sunday morning services. We meet at 820, 940, and 11 a.m. If you would like more information or would like to watch or listen to more of our services, please visit us online at newvisionlive.com. This broadcast is brought to you by New Vision Baptist Church, where our mission is guiding people to lives of gospel transformation.